He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. It's Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. The number one show at 5 o'clock. We surpass everybody by... a. A warp speed. Is that a good word? <laughs> you bet. Uh, and we have all the Democrats took today off. We only have our panel is made up of three common sense Republicans. We have Ed Cox. Uh, I love it. Former. Uh, the, the, well, he can't be a former son-in-law. He was a son-in-law of uh, President Nixon and 10 years GOP chair. And uh, we have Congressman Peter King, King's Highway, you know, King's Plaza, and uh, Rudy Washington. Rumor, rumor <laughs> has it that that uh, former deputy mayor under Rudy Giuliani. Rumor has it that uh, closely related to our former president, uh, George yeah, Washington. Yeah, yeah. And I, I warned you that people beginning to believe that. Ladies <laughs> 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 and I, I introduced him to my Nigerian friend from the Nigerian oil company, and he got very excited. They actually, picture taken. they actually think he's a descendant of George Washington. Well, you never know. You ne- <laughs> well, take me to that lunch, okay? Yes. Uh, when we when we slice up the pie. All well, right? there's so many things going on. I don't know. Well, where, let's ask our histor- his our resident historian. Today, a brand new book. A brand new book, "Killing the Legends" by Bill O'Reilly. He's also uh, a host here on WABC Radio, 9 p.m. It's the number one show. He's a te- radio host. He's a television journalist, author. History teacher, historian, Bill O'Reilly. How many books? 20 million books sold so far. And when can we get Killing the Legends? Tomorrow, Killing the Legends will be out. You can pre-order it right this moment. You'll get it uh, faster. But tomorrow is release date. Got about 19 million of my books in uh, print. That's how they calibrate that. And this is the 12th Killing book. And I've had 18 number one bestsellers. Well, that's pretty good, right? And this is about Muhammad Ali, Elvis Presley, oh, okay. John Lennon, any other legends? Um, this book is about how fame is not natural and that people who become very famous in America are putting themselves at risk, and most of them don't even know it. And the three stories we tell are Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali, because each of these men changed American culture to this day. And we take you through that. And they all got crushed, got crushed by their fame, and they were all betrayed. And it's a harrowing story, um, and it extends into President Biden, Donald Trump, all of these people who become mega celebrities, their whole life changes, and not for the better in most cases. And that's what Killing the Legends, the Lethal Danger of Celebrity is about. So, Rudy Washington, you're better off not being related to George Washington, uh, maybe. maybe. So, Bill, uh, <laughs> I, know, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm the guy to question you because I was very interested. And I read most of your books on Killing Patton. And when you and I talked about uh, whether or not he was assassinated or whether that was really a car accident on that road in Europe, um, you know, so I, I, that was one of the more interesting books, along with uh, Killing the Sun. What was it uh, about the Japanese in World War Two? It gave me a different yeah, pers- Killing the Rising Sun. Right. Gave me a different um, perspective on uh, General MacArthur, really, you know, as opposed to. But. All of the people that I have written about from Abraham Lincoln, that was the first one, Killing Lincoln, all the way through, 
they had a common thread in their lives that they became what they the cliche says larger than life. Some of them were able to handle that. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, you just mentioned him, okay? But today, with the social media, the instant everything, the lack of due process, all allegations are convictions, today, the pressure on famous people is so incredible, so extraordinary, that most of them break. And the story that we tell about, I mean, you sympathize with Presley and Lenin and Muhammad Ali, in particular Ali, who was basically a good guy. But what they did to him, the nation of Islam, is unbelievable. And very little of this has been reported. Also, Bill, another thing with Ali, this is Pete King, was the way the last few years of his career, his managers, owners, whoever they were, just put him in the ring. And he got the severe brain damage. He's, uh, he had probably enough damage from his fights with Frazier. But those last few years, he was getting belted and hit. He was he was almost defenseless, and that and to me, people who managed him to put him in the ring was really a disgrace. Abusive, yeah. and that's part of the uh, story that we tell about Muhammad Ali that he wasn't he was the strongest guy you could want in the ring, but he wasn't strong enough to stand up to these people, and they knew because Ferdy Pacheco, the personal physician to Ali, told them. He told them after the third Brilla in Manila, the third Frazier fight. Ali almost died, and that's how we opened that part of the book. He almost died in that fight. Wow. Pacheco knew it. And, and you know said he can't continue because he'll have brain damage, which is exactly what happened. And he fought five more years after that, which is terrible. Yeah. They just, they just used him. You know, I, at the Police Athletic League, I'm a, I'm a vice chairman or co-chairman now with me and uh, a former commissioner, uh, uh, McGuire. Ray, no, McGuire. Oh. Um, and 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 I fought very hard at the uh, at the board meeting, and we shot down boxing for twelve year olds, fourteen year olds, fifteen year olds. You know why? You hit these kids in the in the head enough times, you end up with a defective kid. Yeah, and, and and it's ridiculous. And you know, and 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 all these these adults are making money off these kids, and they keep pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. And you know what it's all about? They're not helping the kids. It's about money. Absolutely, and, uh, and Elvis Presley as well. Elvis, I mean, he had, he was at a point where he had to file bankruptcy, and this was the top earner in the world. I and never knew that. He stole the money. Elvis, Elvis uh, filed bankruptcy. I, I did not even know that. Now, so let Nobody me ask you any of this stuff. <laughs> let, let me ask you something about historically about Lincoln. Uh, it wasn't just Lincoln who there was attempted assassination of the vice president, secretary of state. state right. How about Stanton? Was he behind it or not? As you looked at no. secretary of war, Stanton. They, uh, they went after Stanton. They tried to kill him. This was a Confederate plot. I mean, if you want to know about what happened to Abraham Lincoln, you're re-killing Lincoln. If you want to know about what happened to JFK, you're re-killing Kennedy. It was a Confederate plot, and uh, John Wilkes Booth, um, was a uh, hater of African-Americans, hater of Lincoln. He did it, and he had help. But they went after the whole government, tried to decapitate not only Lincoln, but uh, Johnson, the VP, Stanton, and the rest of them. Um, they all went after him, but they only got Lincoln. Well, listen to Bill O'Reilly tonight. He'll be telling you more at 9 o'clock between 9 and 10, the number one show on WABCradio.com, 770 on your dial. And, you know, I listen to you every night, Bill. 
Bill O'Reilly. I appreciate that, John. It's nice to know the boss listens. He's always listening. Well, I got I got something. Uh, now, you had a paper yesterday. You talked about network television, that they're in deep right. crap. Can you, talk, you tell bet. it before we go off today? Can you give us a little bit of briefing on that? Well, network television viewing is down about 50% in the last 10 years. The average age in prime time now is about 72, 73. <laughs> Deceased. So... Every American who dies, the ratings for the networks go down. <laughs> it's all the whole people watching them. I mean, I got two kids in college. They never watch, ever. Maybe a sports show, maybe a game. I don't even but they're not table. watching this dopey singing, dancing, no. stranded on an island stuff. It's all over. Mm-hmm. And the tragedy of it is that it mm-hmm. used to be television was America's town square. That from Alaska to Key West would bound us together were television shows that everybody watched. And you remember them all in the family, MASH, Mary Tyler Moore, Happy Days. And so we had a common cultural arena in network television. That's God. And it, it ties into the division in this country that we don't see ourselves as, you know, an American monolith anymore we're all individuals we have this and that and this group and that group and inclusion and equity and we're not just one people anymore television networks used to do that through entertainment it does not happen anymore well i would say the one show that i watch is blue bloods i find that as a lot of old, old tradition <laughs> excellent show yeah excellent show and the reason it's excellent is because it's based on reality um it'll be interesting to see what blue bloods and the average age for the blue blood uh, watcher is sixty five seventy. Um, unfortunately, but it'll be interesting to see what they do this year on CBS because of the intense rise in violent crime in New York City, and it's the reason that's happening. As we all know, and we've discussed on Cats at Night many times, is the politicians are behind this. They're the ones that caused all this death and destruction in the streets. The politicians. It'll be interesting to see if Blue Bloods takes that on this year. Is Tom Selleck coming back? I thought he is. Yeah, actually, I've spoken to the uh, the writers for the show. I, I think y'all going to see that they uh, they are not backing down at all. They're taking a tough stand. Bill O'Reilly, I want to get your perspective on this whole raise the age law. I mean, we are seeing the detriment that it has done specifically to New York City, where we're seeing five times as many shooters that are teenagers, five times as many victims of shootings. They're teenagers. And yet Governor Kathy Hochul doesn't seem concerned. Instead, she's sending out these disgusting ads towards Lee Zeldin that are simply not true. They're just getting nastier and nastier to and to Congressman Peter King's point. Maybe it means that she's afraid. So what do you what do you think about? The fact that they seem to not be addressing they, meaning the Democrats, the real issue at hand, which is crime, education, inflation. And instead, they want to make continue to make Trump the boogeyman. And you have even Hillary Clinton saying what, that they're like Nazis and they're calling this new Italian prime minister akin to Mussolini. Do Americans actually believe the rhetoric that is being spewed from so many Democrats? Some of them do. They believe it because they want to believe it. They don't believe it because it's fact-based. I think Hochul's nervous. 43 days before the vote, I think she's nervous. Um, Because one thing that never shows up in the polls, which is very, very important to consider, is that 
the base of the Democrats in New York State is a minority voting. That's their base. If that base doesn't turn out, she'll lose. Zeldin will win. And you can't calibrate that in a poll because the poll only asks, who will you vote for? It doesn't ask, will you stay home and not vote? So I'm going to posit, T-O-S-I-T, that because minority voters in New York State are getting hurt worse than everybody else because they live at the financial margin, they have to pay more for everything, that a lot of them are not going to run out. They're not real enthused about Kathy Hochul. They stay home, Zeldin could win. Why would they get Ed Cox here? Why would they get uh, enthused about Kathy Hochul? She's unelected. She has really caved into the legislature on every major issue. She hasn't taken any substance stand. She's gone this way and that way. New York, the Constitution of New York State is built for a strong governor, and we've had strong governors, some of them a little bit too strong. But uh, but that's uh, she's just not measuring up to what New York wants as a governor and what the Constitution, the powers that they give her to control the legislature, make sure they don't legislature, make sure they don't overspend, et cetera. Well, you're you're talking fact based analysis. You really think that most voters do that? They don't do that. I think they know what they're looking for and they're not finding it there. She's well, just maybe that's true. There has to be dissatisfaction in New York State, the highest tax state in the union. That's it. Three million people have left in the last few years. I mean, obviously. But the machine, the Democratic machine, which rules in the state two to one over Republicans, gets enough people out to elect an Alvin Bragg in New York. I mean, what did he get? Well, he, he, had, he had some special money behind him also, Bill. Now, uh, yeah, I want to know about the law. I want to know about the law. Uh, Zeldin is saying that he's going to go around and he's going to get rid of. Uh, he of said he might do. What did he say? An executive. An uh, executive uh, order. Correct. Based on on crime beyond the call of duty in the city. Right. You're so a lawyer. A can, can, it, can, um, can it be Zeldin. done? Yeah, uh, sure. He could. Sure. If it Zeldin does. wins, say goodbye to Alvin Bragg and probably the DAs in the Bronx and Queens. You can kiss them goodbye, all right? Because he'll fire them, and he can't under the Constitution. He also wait, 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 go slow on Queens. That's Curtis's ex-wife. Well, I'm sorry about that. Maybe his payments will go down. I don't know. <laughs> um, he can also issue executive orders about the Nobel Law. He can suspend a whole bunch of crazy, insane programs that, like the uh, commuter tax. The congestion yeah. tax, which is going to just congestion tax is going to kill us. It's going to the working man and woman in this town. And here's the scandal behind it. Everybody knows that if you stop truck deliveries from six in the morning to seven at night, most of the congestion uh, congestion or much of it would stop. And they do that in other towns around the world. You deliver between seven and midnight. But the unions don't want it, and the unions control the Democratic Party. That's what would stop the congestion, not rerouting traffic to Harlem and Brooklyn. That's not going to do it. This is a horror. It's a direct tax on working men and women in New York. Zeldin could stop it. 
Oprah won't. She wants more taxes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Bill O'Reilly, I'm going to be listening to you tonight at 9 o'clock, WABC. And where can they get your book, Killing the Legends? Everywhere, everywhere. But if you uh, become a BillOReilly.com premium member, which will enhance your life, you get it free. <laughs> Ooh. So go there, and uh, we'll give you a free copy. And thank you very much for talking about it. I really appreciate it. We well, support you, you so 100%. Much. Thank you. And uh, now, guys, congestion pricing. We all, I mean. Ed Cox brought up an excellent point earlier about the billion dollars a year and how it's, just explain what you were talking about before. Uh, yeah, but it's only a billion and you're talking about. For the, the MTA, right. The Air Washington, how much is the budget cap for the MTA? 38 billion, I think. And so congestion yeah. tax, don't call it a price, right? We call it a tax because that's it's what it is. It's, it's a, a tax. It's we're another commuter work- tax, which was, the, they tried the commuter tax once and it was defeated. And by the way. Senator Sel, uh, Zeldin was one of the people who defeated it. So it'll only raise a billion dollars, way short of what they actually need. And what are they going to – it's the overhead well, alone they, is going to eat it all up. The, look, I, I, the people in the MTA are hardworking people, but this is a lot of crap. They're going around buying people, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they're going to tax people. They're going to they're, they're gonna ta- – it's a tax, tax, tax. And they're going to hurt the people of the Bronx, Westchester, Nassau, Suffolk County, Staten Island, uh, Queens, Brooklyn, Queens, Queens. Westchester, Rockland County. People. Absolutely. And, and if the if the money went to someplace, whom do you, do you really trust that the money's going to go someplace worthwhile? Yeah. No. Look, absolutely trans, not. You're 100% transit right. is important, and we've got a two hundred and twenty billion dollar budget, which is more than twice Florida's budget. And Florida's got more people, and they're doing just fine, thank you, and better than New York in education. Also, yeah. it's is, is crime. And anyway, Rudy Washington here, who was with Giuliani during the time when everybody said you couldn't do it, that you could not stop crime. By the way, I bet you stand Vito Fasella is on, too. Vito, come in and tell us what the heck is going on. Are the people of Staten Island mad as hell and they can't take it anymore? Do we I have to hear so, from Vito? Hey, Vito, who invited you? I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I know Peter King did all he could to prevent me from being on tonight's show. But I tried hard, Vito. I, I know I have good friends like John Katz and the TV who, who were able to break through. So thank you kindly all. Uh, yeah, so yes, John, I think uh, I was listening to your comments, whether it be congestion, pricing, crime, just overall quality of life. There is a deep frustration of, of those who want to see this city thrive, and we know it can, and this state thrive, and we know it can. But a lot of the decisions that are being made and the consequences are forcing people. Uh, every day you, you look at the paper, you see how many people have fled New York, for whether it be for Florida, South Carolina, Jersey, wherever it may be. And it just seems like there's no in sight. Um, and, you know, one of the things we, we did recently with the, the flow of uh, people up from Texas and Florida is full of elected officials on Staten Island wrote to the New York City Independent Budget Office to evaluate and to assess what this is going to cost in accommodating those who are now living in New York City. Um, As Peter knows and those in Rudy knows, anybody in government, money is fungible. There are budgets that fund schools and parks and roads and everything else. And we have no clue uh, how much it's costing to accommodate the migrants that have come up by way of South America. And Vito, do you think it's sustainable? I mean, taking all these people in 
uh, who are going to need so many services, no place to live. Uh, I don't see how that's sustainable. I don't know. Rudy, can you think it's sustainable? No, it's not. I mean, we, we can't build a building in this town in less than five years. I mean, to, to get through the buildings department, get plans designed, you can't. So, I mean, for a simple eight family, it would take you five years just to build a building. I mean, so not to mention where's the land, uh, you know, where do you put up something like this? I mean, so I, I want to hear a permanent solution to what you do with people. We've taken in the equivalent of Ireland. Five million people wow. live in Ireland. We've taken that in as a country. We swallowed up a whole country. And and basically, you know, we have not answered the question of school seats, health care, um, sustainability in terms of money in the pocket, uh, so people are not running around robbing people. Uh, just some basic questions, you know, and I hear the talking points all the time from the left. Um, they'll do the jobs that Americans don't want to do. Well, you know, my question is, what jobs are those? I mean, because the reality is, uh, you can't put them in restaurants taking orders as waiters. That doesn't work. You can't make them city workers. Um, that doesn't work. I mean, so what works? You're going to make them police officers? What? Congressman uh, King, I feel like, do you agree? I think the system itself is broken. It's it broken. Is. And I think the Biden administration is has made the entire border now a port of entry. And Vito, I think, is uniquely positioned because he was in Washington and now he's in Staten Island, which to me is like the last hope for New York City. Vito, how do you see it going? We, we try. And, and, Peter, when we, when we were, I was privileged enough to serve with you in Congress, this is not a new issue. We used to go down to the Texas border, the Arizona border. It's just gotten to a degree. It's just right? And, and I think several fundamental questions of, of fairness to taxpayers and citizens who foot these bills. And when we ask, for example, Staten Island parochial issue, but extending the HOV lane in the Staten Island Expressway, we're told there's not enough money. Well, how do you turn around and fund a half a billion dollars or three quarters of a billion dollars to accommodate people that a few weeks ago you didn't have? And $5,000 a student to educate in the public school, and you have 500 kids, uh, where, how would, who's paying for that? The, my question, the fundamental question is we have no idea. And to the question about sustainability, when will it end? In a month, six months, a year? What's going to happen? And I just think we all owe it to the taxpayers of the city and state to know what the heck is going on, because right now nobody does. Nobody does. And, you know, they're putting up a migrant tent city in Orchard Beach, about a thousand. These are be single men. They're also putting up a building for a transitional housing for guys that just get out of Rikers, also in the Bronx. But people don't realize, OK, it's now happening in the Bronx, but I think it could spread to other boroughs. Vito Fasella, what do you think? No, it is. Well, they, they are. I think every borough, as we speak, is, is a is helping and assisting and accommodating individuals. And we don't know if we're going to get 500 more tomorrow or a thousand more next week. And I think everybody's just got to come clean and say, "This is what we're doing. These are the the end result of you know whatever the sanctuary city means these days." And people jumped up and down, uh, and we're, we're taking it. You know, I'm I'm curious if you. If we all showed up at the steps of Harvard University tomorrow and said, we want to be students here because we we are migrants and we fled other countries, would we be admitted to Harvard University or pick a school like that? The answer is no. If we ended up at a co-op in Midtown and said, we want to live here, the answer would be no. So why is it that everybody else has to absorb it? And then still, I get back to 
taxpayers themselves have no clue what's happening, but they have to take this up. And, and I just think the policies and the people who effectuated them really need to well, take this up. Ed, you're, you're actively involved with Lee Zeldin. Can, yeah. Lee, can Lee turn this around? Absolutely. What you want is a true fiscal conservative, not one like Andrew Cuomo, who said he was in 2010, because that's what the people in New York well, wanted Hochul back was, then. said she was at one time, uh, too. They say it. But then what did he do But before the end of his first year in office? He extended the surcharge. Then he made it permanent. That was just mm-hmm. supposed to be a, a, a stopgap measure with respect to the Great Recession. Uh, just more taxes, more ta- He took the technical point, but he took out indexing of Tax brackets. That means under inflation now, everyone is moving into a bigger tax bracket and is automatically paying more in taxes. This just is not good government. If you have a true fiscal conservative like Lee Zeldin, he's going to go after those things and make the difference. How do people this, like this uh, Martha? This to me is actually, actually 1992 to 1995 all over again, right? Mm. Uh, Rudy Giuliani became the mayor in 93 of the ungovernable city, and it was turned around. George Pataki became the governor in 1994, and the state was turned around. So we need, I think, to Ed's point and to Peter's, people and elections do have consequences. So if we want to send a signal that the state and city should be moved, at least the state this year, should move in a different direction, let's put people in office who are going to say enough is enough and give the, the state and the taxes back to the people who have earned it. But how did the people of uh, Martha's Vineyard get away with being in an uproar and deporting 48 people within 24 Wait, hours? You had some breaking news. You're not having Vito talk to you about it, okay? Oh. He's got uh, – tell us you're, – you're trying to get a casino in Staten Island. Where, where's the breaking news sign symbol? Okay. Here we go. Breaking news, WABC. Uh, Vito, Vito Fasellum, give us to you what's going on in Staten Island. So, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you, John. The, uh, as many of us know, the state is considering issuing casino gambling licenses, of which three years proposed to go downstate. And what we have argued, uh, actually said today, was given our uh, beautiful waterfront overlooking the Statue of Liberty, New York Harbor, uh, you know, we have some of the best vistas, and you know, John, the ballpark uh, has some of the most beautiful views in the world. We're suggesting that they consider building, putting a casino right there on the waterfront uh, with the views, uh, perhaps a hotel. The Staten Island Ferry brings about one and a half million tourists a year already. So just think of the, the potential there. So we'd love for them to explore it and let the chips fall where they may. Well, Vito Fisella, Borough President of Staten Island, thank you for uh, sticking up for the people of Staten Island and the people of New York. This congestion pricing, they're full of crap. And uh, let's go to Lou Dobbs for a financial report right now. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Well, with us today is Steve Cates, a former New Yorker, or, the, or 
otherwise known as Dr. Sky, now lives on the west coast of uh, the country. And uh, he specializes in telling us what's up there in the sky. And a lot of things were happening today, uh, Steve Cates. Tell us what's going on. Well, John, good evening to you, Lydia, and the studio guests, and all the listeners of WABC. In less than two hours, John, we're expecting to see a first of its kind. And that is an asteroid is going to be hit by a spacecraft called DART. And the acronym stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And without all the complications. I saw that movie last night. <laughs> That's a great one. I'll tell you, John, there's a lot of bets on this one that this does something. What's it trying to do? This primary spacecraft, which weighs about 1,600 pounds, is going to be intentionally sent into a binary asteroid, meaning there's two little objects in space. And the main object is called Didymus. And in Greek, it stands for twin. And naturally so, it's supposed to hit the little moon. And get a load of this, John. The little moon is 520 feet in diameter. We call it the Diddy Moon or Didymos. So around 7.14 tonight, p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we're hopefully going to get some live images or images from a 7 million mile distance of what this asteroid impactor, it's going to impact. It doesn't have explosives on it, you know, no Armageddon style, no nuclear device. It's made to be called a kinetic impactor. And why are they doing this? Because eventually, as asteroids have come in the past to the Earth, we're going to hopefully be able to deflect this asteroid as small as it is. Well, 520 feet is pretty big to me. But hopefully this works, because if an asteroid were to come close to the Earth, planetary defense, according to NASA and many around the world, we need to do something, don't you think? Well, something. I I did see uh, a movie last night on Netflix called Looking Up. Frank Morano talked me into watching that movie. Your friend Frank Morano. And and it was either satire or what it was, but this comet was heading for Earth. And it's going to destroy Earth. So the President of the United States convinced everybody it was a f- it was not really coming, but the Earth got destroyed. Well, Did I tell well, you the ending of the film? John, I, I understand that this is Ed Cox here, yeah. Steve. Isn't it true that a huge asteroid landed where the Gulf of Mexico is now, and that wiped out the yes. dinosaurs? Is that right? You're absolutely right, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. 65 million years ago. And by the way, this happened twice in history. But the most recent one, 65 million years ago, this was called the Chicxulub event, and that's in the Yucatan right there by the Gulf of Mexico. And what happened, allegedly, we weren't all around, but scientists dig up what they see in the soil, and they see this remnant of iridium, which is what asteroids usually have, like an elemental thing. And it allegedly was about five to six miles in diameter. So the last thing, Ed, and everybody there that the asteroids, I mean, the dinosaurs probably saw was a quick flash. But the sad part about that is not only did it, when it struck the Earth, it sucked up everything from the ground, pulled everything up into the stratosphere, and blanketed the Earth with this nuclear-type winter, this dark winter. So it's amazing how the Earth can rebound, but you're so right. And more recently, if we look to June 30th, 1908, there was an event over then Soviet Siberia called Tunguska. So an object maybe 900 feet across Allegedly. Now, it necessarily didn't hit the Earth. It might have exploded over the Earth and skipped out into space. But guess what, folks and listeners? It actually wiped out an area larger than the state of Connecticut. And that was amazing. So we need to do something, at least NASA's trying, and European Space Agency, to try to prevent even small asteroids. Hopefully this deflection works. We'll know, hopefully, in a few hours to see the images, but in maybe days and weeks, We'll hopefully get some positive results. Now, is it supposed to completely deflect it off course? Suppose they hit it the wrong way and it comes comes straight into the Earth. 
Well, I hope not, John. I mean, that <laughs> prediction could be pretty disastrous. Well, we're hoping. Because, you know, there's a lot of bets on this one. I'm sure there's even people in Las Vegas that are throwing uh, money on the table. But seriously, they're hoping to hit this, and even a small deflection of this. And a lot of people may be saying, well, why are we doing this? Look at asteroids that we just talked about, like with Ed. He talked about very appropriately this big event that happened in the Gulf of Mexico near the Yucatan. But the point is, we have one asteroid, not to alarm everybody, it's called Apophis. It's named after the Egyptian war god. And mark this calendar date, April the 13th. Make sure you get your taxes done ahead of time. But in 2029, this object will pass, now I didn't make this stuff up, 19,000 miles above the Earth. It's 1,000 feet in diameter. And so people are saying, no, it's not going to hit the Earth, thank goodness. But they're going to send a space probe to watch it because the next time it comes around the sun, there could be an area in the Earth's orbit that deflects it. And there's potentially, not to alarm people, we don't have it official, that it could then return and hit the Earth one day. How often does it come back? It comes back on an average of about every 15 years. And well, it's 20, we have uh, let's see, 2029 plus 15, <laughs> uh, it's what, uh, 2049 or 2045, yeah. 24? We All right, okay, I'm not, I'm not, not sure I'm going to be here. <laughs> it, it, it passed within 19,000 miles of the that's Earth. Pretty that's, close. That's, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. Yeah, they call yes. it a razor burn. No, it's yeah. not feet. It's miles. Miles is different. Uh, miles. That's 200,000 miles. miles. Yeah. But here's the point. That's closer in, folks, than the geosynchronous satellites. All those satellites that are out there, the Earth, the Earth has a ring made up of all these satellites, not like Saturn's rings. But it's going to come in closer than that. So I was asking the questions of other NASA scientists. Hey, how, how, how much can you guarantee that they won't wipe out some satellites? Well, nobody can give us an answer. But that's a very interesting scenario. So in a few hours, we're hoping to be able to get this, uh, you know, at least an understanding if this works. Telescopes on Earth are going to be observing it to see also if there's a change in the orbit of this little ditty moon. But, John, I have to thank you because I just wanted to let the listeners of 77 WABC know through you and your kindness that we'll have Dr. Sky content coming up here, what, in the month of October. We'll be doing podcasts and all kind of updates here. So as we do these reports for people all I over am the happy place. to report that Dr. Sky, Steve Tate, a former New Yorker, will be <laughs> with us more often and to make these kind of reports uh, out for WABC viewers and and thank you, Steve Tates, and enjoy three more hours of sunshine on the West Coast, and God bless you, and God bless America. You, you let us know if anything bad really happens. Uh, you, you let well, Frank Morano know at 2 o'clock in the morning. What about the solar system? You've got to bless that, too. Well, yes, we have to do that, Lydia. And, hey, as you guys say, and I mean it, hey, truth, justice, and the American way, let's rock on. We'll you send bet. Superman up. <laughs> Let's take a break, and when it. we come back, uh, we're going to have Robert Yonanue, uh from Goya Foods. It's down in Puerto Rico trying to feed the hungry. John Katz and the T's. 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show. Now on the line with us, Bob Yunanwe. He is the CEO of Goya Foods. And as always, Bob is always reaching out and trying to help people with his Goya Cares program. I know you are now trying, Bob Yunanwe, to help the people of Puerto Rico. Tell us what's going on. Hi, Lydia. Uh, it's great to be with you all, and John, and God bless you all. Yeah, you know, we've actually Puerto Rico has not yet recovered from Maria and Irma, you know, with their electrical grid. Uh, the island is still intermittent with power there. The biggest problem right now is water, uh, while Irma and Maria 
brought a lot of wind and blocked uh, access to uh, San Juan Bay and a lot of aid. Uh, us being there, we're kind of like first responders. This is a big water event, and uh, to get to the parts of the island that are cut off, especially in the south, uh, we also partner with uh, Michael Capone of GEM, Global Empowerment Mission. These, Michael is fantastic. He's helped us in uh, Ukraine and around the world. What an incredible guy. And we're actually uh, sending in by helicopter into areas on the island. And now, mind you, the island's only 110 miles by 35, but it's mountainous in the middle. And so access to uh, these areas is very uh, intense. But uh, unfortunately, you know, Puerto Rico has not recovered from Maria Norma. Like I said, the the electrical grid was taxed to the hilt. And the biggest problem right now is is water. You have to boil the water, get bottled water, and uh, and product in there. Uh, at the same time, we're we're dealing with Eon because our facilities in Central Florida and, and Southeast Florida, Atlanta area, uh, it looks like Eon is taking a dead. A hit path to right to Tampa on the West Coast. And, um, you know, it's just a, an, another storm that we're looking to uh, to deal with. But Puerto Rico in particular, you know, just they just never recovered from the, from the first uh, set a couple of years ago. That, that actually sent a lot of people out of Puerto Rico. You know, six million Puerto Ricans in the mainland mm-hmm. and about three, a little bit more than three on the island. So, a lot of the young people have left the island. Uh, a lot of the manufacturing incentives have gone away. Now they have a service uh, incentives, a service business law, 2022. But it's it does has not brought manufacturing and work back much needed uh, back to the island. Bob, uh, what, what what do you hear? For, you you have salespeople there, and you have a. Uh, uh, do you have factory facilities in Puerto Rico? Yes, John. Uh, you know, we're, we're vertically integrated in Puerto Rico. We actually bring in steel. We, we make cans, bottles. Uh, we manufacture. We distribute. It's one of our biggest facilities. You know, we're in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, uh, Europe. Uh, we're around the United States with 26 different facilities. So uh, we also have our own, you know, we have to be self-sufficient. We have our own generation, wells. Uh, if you're not self-sufficient, uh, you can't make it on an island. And so uh, we're very well equipped to uh, to help. But we got to get ourselves up and running. In, in Maria, it was very devastating. And we were actually there before FEMA. Uh, FEMA could not get into the island because San Juan Bay was blocked. And we were actually the first people with food, you know, uh, to all the uh, – the people of Puerto Rico. I'm, wow. su- I'm surprised, uh, Bob, that the power went down so quickly. The hurricane is I know, was just approaching. And is that because the whole grid was weakened by Maria? Yeah, well, it was not only weakened by Maria. It, it was, you know, uh, the, 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 the grid was not well taken care of, you know, big union issues. Uh, I lived there 10 years from 1980 to 1990 and, there were constant uh, blackouts and and uh, there was you know strikes and strife, uh, but you know the grid was never really uh, taken care of. So when Maria hit, it just was the last straw. 
since then, they've tried to rebuild it. But, you know, a lot of these times, things, they throw a lot of money at it, but they don't really uh, take care of it the way they should. So it's, it costs a lot of money to build that infrastructure, but it's really uh, been devastated pretty bad. Well, uh, Robert Yunanaway, uh, Goya Foods, uh, you you are always there to help people in need, and I want all all our listeners to know that you you're always there. Goya Foods is always there to help people in needs, and God bless you, and God bless your company, and uh, thank you so much. God bless you, you all. God bless Thanks. you, John. Thank you. Are we? Um, we're going we're gonna to take another break, and then we're going to come back with uh, Mario Konomu. Things in Europe are not great. The euro is below one-to-one one one on the value. Wow. Uh, the the uh, pound is at a 45-year low, almost one-to-one. One. Uh, Mario Konomu might tell us what he thinks. Is also, John, there's a dramatic step because there's a new Italian prime minister who's a woman. A woman. And said this. You, yeah. you know, you know how the Italians are. I'm, I'm not getting into oh, that. Oh, I have oh. no trouble with the Irish. <laughs> Do we have any Italians Let's in the take room? That oh. break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katzimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. This is Cats at Night, John Katzimatidis, and with us today is Barrio Ikadabu. He's been our specialist lately on what the heck is going on in Europe. He's a banker. In Zurich, a banker in the United States, uh, talking about banking. What the hell is happening to the euro and what's happening to the pound, uh, uh, Mario? Yes, uh, hello there. Well, obviously the news isn't good with respect to the euro and the pound, and you're right. They're both at uh, almost essentially historic lows. Uh, the situation will only get worse for both of those currencies as the fall drags into the winter and uh, we see the actual impact of Russia uh, turning off the spigots completely to Europe. But I, I would like to start with another uh, two stories that happened in Russia today. One at a recruitment center where uh, an individual who was called up uh, under the recent uh, uh, calling up of people to join the army, uh, he actually went into the center and he shot and killed the recruitment officer. So wow. I think that stunned everybody there. And another unfortunate incident, a young man walked into a school in another city in Russia today, and he shot 15 kids, killed them. Uh, he was killed. It's a little unclear if he killed himself or somebody else killed him, but he had a big uh, Nazi symbol uh, on his chest. So there's confusion as to what his motives were. Mario, uh, across, this is Peking. You know, as far as bringing uh, bring in 300,000 new soldiers, I think Ed Cox would agree. You know, these are not well-trained. I mean, you know, the Russian army was trained, and they were getting routed. To bring in 300,000 people who have been out of the military, who maybe had training years ago, they're just not equipped for a war today. It would take months no, and it, months it, and months to even takes, try to bring them back into shape. Yeah, especially the, the kind of warfare that's being yeah. where there's a lot of high-tech yeah. going on. Well, you guys, have, you guys saw where Putin fled the city. You know, he's basically gone into hiding. Yeah, uh, actually, no, he's not in hiding. He was in Sochi today with uh, the uh, the Belarus uh, president. And they oh, were so, having a oh grand so he old showed up. Huh? Okay. They were having a grand old time together, uh, complimenting each other essentially on how bad Europe is handling uh, the uh, war situation. Um, well, the, the, Italians, the, the Italians now voted for a woman to be prime minister. Did you believe that would ever happen? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? 
Europe's I, a very I, I, I'm, I'm a, hey, I'm very liberal with that. Women, uh, uh, strong women impress me. Now, how about the argument that she comes from a fascist background? Is that just uh, so? Here's uh, some interesting things about yeah. her. Uh, when she she actually grew up in a household where the father was a communist, and oh. he essentially left the family at an early age. Uh, she had to take care of her family, and she actually changed her political views uh, later in life. She has made some statements which everybody has raised their eyebrows at, but the reality is. Um, and last week they had a, a, a conference where the Italian industrialists meet. She was there, and she reassured everyone that she was going to be fiscally conservative. She was not going to take Italy out of the EU. She was not going to take Italy out of NATO. She was going to follow the European line. Uh, and today, in fact, when the uh, stock market in Italy opened in Milano, uh, there was no impact. Actually, the market closed up. So – Industry believes that she's not going to do anything radical that's actually going to hurt the overall economic situation uh, of Italy. Mary, how do you feel uh, about her? I always – I think we need to wait and see. Okay. Do you know what – We need to wait and see. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. The European Commission fired a warning shot across Italy's bow, and uh, von der Leyen told them that unless they play nice – there are tools that the EU has, the Commission has. Whoa, that, is that a threat? Reference to what, yes, that's what a lot of Italians are saying, that she got involved and threatened them. But she did mention Hungary and Poland. And the idea is that the European Commission can withhold the roughly 200 billion euros that Italy is going to receive under the recovery fund, the pandemic recovery fund. So that is what makes me lean towards the side that she's actually going to conform and irrespective of a lot of the things she said that led up to the election and her winning, she will actually become a mainstream politician. That's it's so different funny. when you're running for office. You're able to say all kinds of things. But when, when the weight of a country rests on your shoulders, you start to actually behave in a different way. So it's, I think we need to take the – we need to wait and see. There is one other thing I should point out. Italy's Italian system – uh, for government and the forming of governments in a situation like this, the president of Italy has a say. He has the right to essentially block the formation of a government by her if he feels that it's not going to serve the interests of the Italian state. So she's under a lot of pressure now by the president of Italy, by the president of the European Commission, and the reality of what Italy is facing financially. And, and it's, it, not- it's at Cox here. It's not like uh, in England where the prime minister the next day is in 10 Downing Street. It, it, it's a long process, isn't it? In You're Italy? absolutely right. Correct. Again, yes. we were, we're speaking with Mario Economo, and I don't know enough about this woman, Georgia Maloney, but I do like so far what she said regarding Herself, she said, I am a woman, I am Italian, I'm a Christian. She also said yes to natural families, no to the LGBT lobby, yes to sexual identity, no to gender ideology, no to the violence of Islam, and yes to safer borders, and no to mass immigration, and yes to work for our people. Let let me tell you something. Who does all that sound sound like? Sounds like Trump. (laughs) No, 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 In, in Europe, in the EU. Sounds like Victor Orban. Right. Oh, okay. Who is yep. the bad boy that everybody at the European Commission doesn't like. But I, I, I hope the American the, people get mad as heck uh, in America but, and straighten out America from all, all this crap. But the, the difference uh, with Orban is that he is actually 
destroyed the democratic uh, uh, election process. Well, I don't think she would do that. Isn't that right? I don't think she can do that. I think Italy is Italy's an interesting country in that there is, in very similar to Greece, there are a lot of political parties, there are a lot of newspapers, there's a lot of media, there's a lot of journalists, and even though there are all the And I, I must say a- to you, it's not an official announcement, but WABC has been asked to host a party for uh, our president from Hungary in uh, over the next few weeks. Well, that's fine. There's nothing no. wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we'd like to hear no, what I, he has I, to say. John McLaughlin's is both Yes. I think it's important what you folks do, that you allow people from all different uh, uh, parts of the political spectrum to come on and speak. It's important for everybody to have a forum. It's important for everybody to be heard. doesn't mean everybody has to agree with everybody, but at least as long as there's dialogue, things are good. Absolutely. We're out of time. Amen. Thank you, Mario. And we're all here. And uh, you know what we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America. I hope God helps Europe, too.